Okie dokie. I like how I told you I'm ready. I'm clear. I know. You're on. like, I'm ready. And I'm you're sorry. like texting. What brick of text are you about to send somebody? <laughs> oh my God. There's nothing worse than a brick of text. I know. Are we recording? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, we took a break, but we're back. We took a break to collect ourselves, to sequester in. Sable's <laughs> just dancing. I don't know I'm what she's trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I feel crazy because I feel like I have not interacted with people in yeah. the past two weeks. No one told me not to. I just didn't. You're giving me like, I, I feel like, <laughs> I do feel like you're troubled. I am. I am a little bit troubled. Yes. And I, Yeah. And, but I feel like maybe that is somehow baseline for both of us but i do feel like you're showing it more today yeah is everything okay i feel a little loopy to be honest also because i think the past two weeks i've actually had stuff to do Mm. like work wise yeah and i went from having nothing to do to having like a lot of things do all at once what are you doing just like a lot of content oh yeah you've been you have been creating the content i've been creating so much content yeah and i keep creating content and it's not like a normal thing where you just throw up a selfie on Instagram because it has to go through all these edit rounds with yeah. brands and shit. I forget how to be professional with people. So like, yeah, <laughs> they'll use their like corporate speak. And I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> just say the thing you want to say. What are these words? So that I feel like really loopy because like all day I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I have to do this. And like, what's the time to do that? Right. And then my brain's like, you can stay, but I'm leaving. Right, right. <laughs> you and I are both doing the same post for a brand. Yours has already went up and mine goes up in a week. Oh, Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because they give you a lot of creative freedom, which is great. But like, I should know, like you do how to, I mean, I do. I just haven't like done all this fucking editing shit on my phone, like TikTok wise. Oh. You know what I mean? So I just shot mine straight through and talked through it. TikTok is like, so this annoying is to edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just talked through mine. That's fine. I got approved, whatever. Um, yeah. Are we going to get yelled at for talking about brand stuff? No. Why? <laughs> I don't fucking like, by know. whom? I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's fun to do, I guess. It's a little stressful, though. I don't ever do front-facing stuff. What do you mean? Like talking into the camera. Oh, yeah. I don't like to. I don't mind it. I just don't do it anymore. You know what? It's because whenever I am like looking at Instagram stories and you're like swiping through, as soon as I see someone start talking at me with their face, I'm like, swipe to the left. I was like, next. Don't want to watch you talking at me. But I think at least (laughs) for people, your front facing is good because everything you do is good because you're funny and like it's you're really good at it. And mine, because I never do it, people are like, what is she doing? Yeah. Every time I post. Oh, he has an announcement. Right. right. Every time I post something talking, I get a lot of DMs like, we didn't know what you sound like. Oh, well, and I was like, what did you think I, number one, I'm like, what did you think I sound like? Just call me gay. Yeah. Number two, I can tell you're not listening to smell you later. Yeah. Well, I have a link for you. I think at, before the podcast, before I was like speaking publicly, <laughs> before I've ever spoken publicly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people, like the first times they were like, oh, wow, that's what you said. Like, like ages ago when I had a YouTube series for Allure. And then I was like, watch this YouTube series we worked really hard on for no reason. Yeah. And everyone's like, that's what you sound like? I'm like, that's your takeaway? That's yeah, your fucking takeaway right. from this like highly produced video? Right. Come, Come on. on. <laughs> was that the one where you were in the bath of wine? Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> God. God, they hated us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I cannot focus on anything right now. No, Not, not specifically neither. in this moment. I'm here. I am present in my, in my body in your home. Yes. But like, th- today, truly. Today at work, I was like, what? 
girl no. we launched a campaign today and i think that's I part of it it's like it. this big pressure release but yeah. i'm like i was like you're getting not a lot out of me today and i can't be like that i got shit to do so like when you say you release a campaign yeah does that mean you just post it on social yes okay <laughs> but you have to understand that like i mean it, there, there's the socials there's the paid ads right, right. there's we posted the 60 the 60 second asset today yeah, but then there's fi- that. 15s that go out and and then there's the stills and then it comes to life you know all across digital it comes to life and like you know your paid ads your targeted blah, blah, blah. so the, the, it, it has a, okay, okay, a big okay. got it, got a got lot it. of reach and a lot of moving pieces I, yeah. and banners and shit but like when you know the 60 second asset which we call the 60 is like the hero I you know love what I mean? this marketing speak. it is the I'm 60 sorry. It's like who invents this? I want to be the person who invents marketing speak because it's gonna be fucking bonkers. <laughs> I know. I, I could have told you that. No, but um, it's just a uh, a lot of a lot of a lot leading up to yeah. just posting something on right. Instagram. I'm like, oh, okay, this is so like. I know. It's like you don't even get the gratification of like seeing a billboard. Yeah. Like you're just like, okay, it's. It live. is cool though. You know what? It is cool. Like seeing it done because it's like that. My team is incredible and the work is gorgeous. But like seeing it live and mm. being like i did that yeah like that vo like the the voiceover mm-hmm. like i wrote that how crazy that's what i, yeah. I was thinking about the whole time i was yeah. like tynan wrote all of this Isn't weird? <laughs> God. also i was thinking the whole time i was watching the 60 yeah. i was like this could be a trailer for the hunger games yeah did nobody see that? Yeah. Did nobody clock that? That all these people are racing to kill each other. Totally. <laughs> Life is the luxury. They're going to kill each other. <laughs> when that bitch levitates at the end, yes. every time I'm like, go She off. is leveling up. All you better take cover. She won. Yeah. Um, yeah that so. should be the, I was like the Equinox should like sponsor the Hungary. <laughs> so I, last week I was telling Sable about like what we were doing and I, I showed her some, um, I don't know, stills. some stills yeah. that weren't finalized yet, but she saw that tagline and she's like, oh, that's really good. And I was like, oh my God, if Sable likes it, then it's good. Because it's so, ele- it's like yeah. you're taking something like a fucking gym and yeah. you're elevating it to this like, life is the luxury. Right. Wow. I right. was like, damn, damn, <laughs> damn. That's going to get me to buy like a BMW. <laughs> right. Like, damn. No, it's good. So no, I, anyways, all that to say, I'm just like, where's my mind? And where's why? your money? They should pay you. <laughs> well. <laughs> I have a story for you. Um, yeah. But yes, my mind has also just been checked out. I know. Ugh. I think that's January though, right? Maybe. Aren't we all in that same place? I guess. It's the middle of January. Like nothing, I feel like we go dormant until March. Well, I don't because Valentine's Day is coming up. But True. like mostly it's like smooth sailing or yeah. boring sailing. My insomnia is back too. So I'm just like, I love that. can you just tell me what to fix? Because this is really annoying. Right. Like just fucking tell me what to fix. Get another edible. <laughs> I'll do it. I, I, am, I am seeking. I am seeking edibles. <laughs> I unearthed my vape. <laughs> Instead of I don't a weed pen, I don't know what you fucking call that. Is that a are wait are all weed pens vapes? I'm so no, I don't this. think all weed pens are vapes, but all vapes, vapes are, are weed pens. pens. God, that's it. probably Got not it. right. Okay. <laughs> Someone please. I'm not going to start being right on this podcast. No, Why would I do that now? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yes. Okay, so as you know, <laughs> I'm in love with all my doormen, <sighs> and last night I went out to dinner with two friends of mine. And I accidentally like had five drinks. And so for the holiday, I gave all my doorman candles Mm. and classy. My favorite one. I gave the replica by the fireplace candle because it's just Mm. so good. And I was like, you're going to love me one way or the other. Should have given him like a Magnum candle. I'll give him a Magnum something. (laughs) Anyway, as I was wobbling home in the, 
uh, walking in the door last night. He was like, hey, can I ask you something? And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I was like, uh, I don't know what he asked me, but I was like, what, what, oh, where was that candle from that you got me? And I was like, oh, it's this brand called Replica. If you just like Google Replica candles, like it'll get you to where you need to be. And he was like, oh, because that sound was so good. And I'm like, by the fireplace is the one. Like it's just it's unabashedly, you know, it. Yep. So I stomped upstairs and I grabbed the full bottle that I have not even sprayed once because I just had it refilled or got, oh. got a new one. And I brought, I was like, <gasps> I, I was like, I don't. You're in love with him. I, well, yes, I am in love with him, but like. <laughs> and now he knows. I, but I have like a million fragrances and that is the one and like I do love it but I'm like I could like he's, you're gonna get more wear out of this than I do you know sure, what I mean sure. I can't like yeah. in good conscience have this up there sitting in my closet never wearing it right I brought it down and I was like oh, here and then I scammed you're like away. this is nothing to me here you go right exactly <laughs> also you know my room number um anyway that's embarrassing it's the new year it's the new year and it's not even the new year anymore it's just like the year I think it this is like the curb your enthusiasm thing where it's like if it's January you can say happy new year you know they didn't lie with me, but I agree with yes. you. Yes. <laughs> um, and products are coming. There are out. so many. So many. A specifically yeah. fragrance. Yeah. And I don't know that I care about many of them, but there are some that I'm excited about. So it's going to be a really fun year. It's going to re- be a really fun year. Product aside, we don't need any new products to like, have fun on this show. But yeah. we've got some really exciting things coming up. Do we? Yes. Okay. Guests. <laughs> things. Guests, yes. Things. TBD. But also Valentine's Day is coming up. Schmalentine's Day. I'm so excited. I rue the day somebody invented the term Galentine's oh, Day. Oh, yeah. No, no. We don't fuck with the Galentine's Day. It's just, it's just Valentine's it's Day. It's heteronormative. It's so gross. Horny day. Just yeah. let it be sad and horny. Or just like go out with your friends and call it Valentine's Day. It's fine. Just go out with your friends and call it a day. Right. Any other day. I love Valentine's Day. I know you do. Let me have this. I what are we gonna do for our Valentine's Day episode? I don't know. Something awesome. What other wacky guests can we have for our Valentine's? I I feel like Valentine's Day is gonna be just us. Probably as it should be. It's just spinning a web in my head of what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I'm excited about things. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm waiting to be excited about things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Tynan, what do you smell like today? I smell like something that I had been meaning to call in for a while now. And so we got long lead press about this. And I'm sorry, I'm so like buzzwordy today. The 60. <laughs> the 60. <laughs> when you are a writer, you get short lead and long lead pitches. And short lead means like if you're in digital, you don't need all that much time to prepare a piece for it. So you can pitch me a month out, two weeks out, whatever. If it's long lead, those pitches are usually for print, which has a much longer lead time. So they're probably what stable pitching for Q3 right now. Yeah, long lead. I'll be and, dead by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> I got a long lead pitch for this fragrance in oh, fuck, like August or something. Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, I'm wearing it. Oh, Anyway, the, all that to say, I like forgot to call it in, but I kept wanting it. Uh-huh. And then they, I mean, it's out now. It's like in the world. And oh. I got an email about it. And I was like, fuck, I, I don't have it. And I had all this time. So <laughs> anyway, I was really excited about it for a really long time. And I am wearing Gucci's Alchemist Gardens, A Gloaming Night. Oh. That's what it's called, right? An Alchemist Garden. Yeah. That's like collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The word gloaming is so Please. angsty. It just means twilight or dusk. I guess a dusk night sounds a bit oxymoronic. Gloaming gives it a moodiness. I say this respectfully. The name <laughs> is horrible. It's it's a choice. A gloaming, it's very Tim Burton-y. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like Eeyore. 
it's an <laughs> ugly word oh my god um, you're being so mean to her <laughs> so okay i was really excited about a gloaming night minus the, the word uh-huh. because it pitched itself to be like a very spicy scent specifically there's a big cinnamon note in it and i love that and oddly i feel how do you feel about this i feel like for cinnamon being as so like commonplace and fragrant as it is and lovely and spicy it's not in a lot of shit fragrance yeah i don't think it is so i don't find it that common yeah so i immediately gravitated toward this scent i was really excited about it so with gucci fragrances there's like the gucci house line your guilties your whatever's and then there's the alchemist garden mm-hmm. which are the higher end it's like the harry styles line Ex- the what why is it harry <laughs> styles line didn't he like model for them i think he just modeled for he was holding a lamb maybe he I did th- for the fashion yeah i think it's he did the okay ready to wear. Anyway. i don't know why it just reads to me that way he's not allowed on this show <laughs> he should make a fragrance though <laughs> he should it smell nasty but i would wear it um, i don't think it would smell nasty i think it would honestly smell probably basic fair 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 fair, fair. Mm-hmm. anyway the alchemist garden is the like higher end gucci collection yeah and it's funny because I like all of the Alchemist Gardens that I've smelled. The first one I smelled was on you. Then they were nice enough to send me a bunch. Yeah, they're all pretty punchy in my experience. It's funny. I just don't love any of them. No. You know? They're like a a lot of a lot. It's a bit like shit on shit. Do you? But I also think that's like a little bit of the aesthetic of that. It's like kind of whimsical. I almost kind of disagree with that because for me, okay, so the one that you introduced me to, I do like the tiger. I have the tiger. Eyes of the tiger. I do like that one. That one to me is like, yeah, it's a lot. It's spicy. It's nice. But I have Iris, Mm. an Iris situation. I think I have a violet situation. There's a violet one. Mm -hmm. There's probably an Iris one by maybe a different name. There was one that was like tears of melancholy tears mm. that I had. Mm-hmm. It was an oil, yeah. which again is like super, super powdery yeah. to the point where it's like a little bit suffocating. Yeah. And I like all the ones I have. I, I just like, I don't, I don't find them to be awesome or worth the like more money. <laughs> I sound like that meme. That's like, sometimes the things that are expensive are worse. <laughs> um, this is part of the Alchemist Garden collection. Uh, it comes in a red bottle. The other ones are like an opaque ivory so this is a translucent red it's very like cute and sexy and again i'm sort of where i am with the rest of them i do like this one i wish it was giving more this is the one that i texted you this weekend where i i just sprayed it in my apartment to smell it on the atomizer and then it started like chasing me around <laughs> like i couldn't get away from this fucking scent i, I was like deliver shit me on shit. Shit on shit. um <laughs> And it's funny because as a scent, it's really not shit on shit. The build of it is only, or all that they give you is a top note of cinnamon, a middle note of vetiver, and a base note of patchouli. Those are all really heavy hitters, though. Mm-hmm. And I will say, in the air, I was like, I'm. if I wear this on my person, I will never get it off. Um, yeah, like that combo to me reads as like car sickness. Yeah. <laughs> on the body, it's not as heavy as you'd think. Hmm. Also on the body... It's not quite as cinnamon as I would want it to be. Although all the cinnamon scents that I love are like very cinnamon bombs. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's not as exciting as I wanted it to be. It's not as... A gloaming night. Yeah, it doesn't have as much depth as I wanted. Yeah. I do enjoy it. And on the body, weirdly, it's a little fresher than I expected or fresher than it sounds. I think that's probably a lot in part to the vetiver. Mm. There is more patchouli in this than I care to admit, and you can you can read it on your skin, but it 
it's not as like <clears throat> e as yeah. patchouli to me a patchouli hater is so i don't mind that it's fine uh i wish i was more excited about it how than much I is am. it girl it is because they only have big bottles like they don't do dual sizes right you're right it is 330 dollars <sighs> yeah um damn so if you smelled it in store, I think anything that you yeah. love is worth the investment. If you are, uh, uh, you know, if that is available to you, um, I wouldn't. I would say save your money. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because it's Gucci, it can get away with being three hundred dollars yeah. because it's a piece of couture sure. that you could ostensibly afford compared yeah, totally, to the totally. actual couture, the which is like yeah. thousands of dollars. The thing is, though, I would, I would. <clears throat> so much more happily wear uh, a Gucci Guilty. Yeah, yeah. Or like Gucci Flora. Exactly. It's their big best seller, I yeah, suppose. It's like their big temple. Yeah, they have like a bunch of flankers of that. Mm-hmm. Which to me is just like, this is just white flowers. Right. Well, I mean, all that, I mean, I guess, long story short, you're not missing out on anything yeah. if you're not fucking with the Alchemist Garden, the mm. regular Gucci scents I prefer. Mm. So yeah, that's what I'm wearing. That's what I smell like. Today. A gloaming night. The juice was not worth the squeeze, but, it, but it's fine. It's good. It's just, yeah, it's, it's right. Sable, mm. what do you smell like today? On that note, I smell like Ex Nihilo Amber Sky, Ooh. which is something I've had for a couple of years. I had a travel vial. It comes in this really beautiful, like metal enamel hexagonal shape. Mm. And you can like switch out the little travel. I think it's like 10 milliliter travel vials. And then I like unearthed it one day and I was like, ah, remember them. And then I like smelled it. I was like, wait, this is really good. I don't know why. I remember when I first got it, I was like, ooh, that's a bit much. And then like for whatever reason, when I recently smelled it again, I was like, actually, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. It's like when you see someone and you're like, they're not hot. And then like a year later, they're like, wait, they got hot. (laughs) If I look at anyone long enough, I will find them hot. Really? Yes. I yes. feel like that could go either way. It happened to be on Friday. Wow. Tell me about that later. Anyway. I'll tell you about it right now. <laughs> so, Wait, can I smell it? Yes. Oh. As the name implies, it is a heavily amber scent. And I really like amber, but I do feel like in a lot of fragrances, it it's like a little too syrupy. Like sometimes people take it a little uh-huh. too far where it just gets a little bit too sticky and syrupy. Yeah. Or saccharin. And this actually takes it in a much drier, resinous kind of direction. Mm. It has, well, it has cedar in it. It has others. I'm t- again, me refusing to look at Fragrantica. It has you a look at Fragrantica every day. Here, I'll I pull know. it up. That's fine. Wait, I did. I like just looked it up and I just forgot it. All right. So it has cedar, sandalwood, vanilla, tonka bean, amber, obviously, nutmeg, geranium, coriander, and bergamot. Oh my God, that sounds gorgeous yeah and i think the coriander actually is what makes it fresher and sharper and not as syrupy which i like and once it's dried down there's like a tiny hint of it that smells a little bit like bo or it's got like kind of a animalistic or animalic little umami flavor to it Okay. And at first I was like, is it me? And then I was like, no, it's my, I'm smelling my wrist, not my armpit. Wait, is that why you were smelling yourself? <laughs> what, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, well, she's in a turtleneck. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, am I like sweating really bad right now? Then I was like, no, it's the perfume. <laughs> oh, I have a story for you. Yeah. But I also don't want to tell her. Okay. I don't know. I've just been really drawn to ambery, golden, warm, sensual scents lately. Love. Yes. I feel like on you when I just smelled it, it was almost a little powdery. 
it is a little powdery too yeah but it was probably the dryness that you were talking about you're not wrong yeah it's got like a, a twinge of like muskiness to it mm. yeah but it's a really good amber that like and i was like wait why don't more people know about this yeah uh it's from 2016 so mm. it's you know it's a bit aged yeah but also i think like ex nihilo is like not super mainstream like i feel like they're still agree. yeah pretty hard to find i only know about them because yeah yeah and now I especially them. in the states yeah. like i think they mentioned that they're opening their first u.s flagship but in la which i thought was a choice i was kind of just like why not new york yeah people have taste and, <laughs> and foot traffic and foot traffic i don't know but no you're not wrong yeah there are also tons of fragrance brick and mortars here yeah you know yeah I can't come without seeing a bond number nine. I'm sorry. Wait. God. I can't sneeze without saying, seeing a bond number nine. <laughs> truly, truly same. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just reminded me. I'm like, Oh, I remember that brand. I like them. Like, what are they up to? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, you introduced me to them and thank yeah. God. And then I saw the whole collection. I think I mm-hmm. told you in, in Bergdorf's a few mm, uh, yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I love that. So that's what I smell like today. Love that. Mm. Hmm. I think I know that amber's in everything, but sure. I wish that there were more amber centric fragrances mm. because every one that I've smelled, like I love, and I think amber is so moldable and like I mean, it's oh almost, yeah, it's almost like any sweet. But note, you could but take like, it in like so many mm-hmm. unexpected directions. Yeah, you can really run with it while it's still letting it be like the hero of the scent. Yeah. Well, there's the Kayali amber yes that's like kind of newish yes. what is it called invite only amber invite only amber which when you described it to me i was like oh my god this smells like this sounds like such a me scent and yeah. then i got it and i was like whoa that's not what i was expecting at all it's a lot it's yeah it's like amber and everything else it is shit on shit that is a shit on shit fragrance i do like it though yeah. it smells like john Varvatos. i think too. that it it'll smell fine on the dry down but I wasn't brave enough to wait through it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think you might like it, actually. Okay. I'll, one day, one day, okay. I'll have to just douse myself. It's probably a me fragrance that I am interpreting as a you fragrance. Perhaps, perhaps. You know. But there's them, the Ellis Brooklyn Super Amber, which I do like. Dias and Durga has two Ambers. Amber, Amber Kiso, Kiso and Amber, Amber Teutonic. Uh-huh. Which are both those are so fucking good. They're so good and so weird. Are those the ones like the bronze and ones the green? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're really, really interesting. Mm-hmm my favorite amber and one of my favorite fragrances actually fight me is nicole richie oh yeah it's so fucking good and it's like all amber oh it's so good i remember you wrote about that for allure i think yeah i think so queen (laughs) wait so who's this person that you decided was hotter when you looked at that um i oh my god i didn't even tell you this wait i uh i shot a beauty campaign on on friday can you tell us i probably can't I'll tell you off the air, but it's, okay. a, it's a big one. Okay. And the producer, I guess, he okay. worked for the studio, not the brand. Okay. You know, cute guy, whatever. Hot. But I... I love a crewman. <laughs> right. So we were on set for like 14 hours. Holy and, shit. You know, just shooting around, whatever. And, uh, you know, I uh, he was directing and, and all this and we, everyone's running around. And like, by the end of it, we're all sort of running on fumes and it's loud as fuck. And he's like directing me and I can't really hear him. And he's like, you can't really hear me, can you? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so it was just like this interaction and we're yeah. both sort of like the like spiralized emoji. Yeah. And by like 9 p.m., I'm like, okay, so I'm in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the most gorgeous person I've ever seen in my life. What are we going to do about I this? I always think that yeah. about crewmen mm-hmm. on shoots. And part of me is like, 
I bet you flirt with all the talent, don't you? Well, the thing about him was he was like specifically not flirting with me, um, which is exactly which my type of guy. He's flirting with totally you. into me. Yeah, <laughs> no, he was very sweet and like, but yeah, I was like, I got, I got there at fucking eight a.m. and I was like, <laughs> this flop, and then. By 10 p.m. I was like, well, this is my husband. <laughs> well, we're married now. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that why photographers and models always date? Just because it's like that weird dynamic where you're like shooting a person and you're like, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, everything you're doing is so gorgeous. Honey, if I can have someone get my angles, I'll marry them right Honestly, now. yeah. Please. Nobody photographs me in a way I like that I couldn't do better, TBH. Yeah. Maybe that's like a front-facing camera situation. It's yeah. like a it's like a mirror reflection thing. Like I right. don't know, but like every time a professional photographer has taken my photo, I'm like, well, I look like a fucking Lego head. Yep. <laughs> I mean this in the most body positive and mentally well way that I can. <laughs> my body dysmorphia is through the roof right now, and it's not even like in a negative way. It's just a factual way. And like the thing about me is like I can think that i am like the sexiest person on the planet and or the most repulsive person on the planet (laughs) at any given time and i and i know that both of those things are not true you know what i mean Mm. so it's i just gotta meet myself in the middle somewhere and what i just always tell myself is that like whether i think i look my absolute fucking best or like i don't like the way i look that day i have to remind myself that like i'm not seeing myself at all and a lot of it, I really do think, is goes back to, and this is not me being like, my social media, because I love social media, but like, it's my iPhone. Like, you know how your front-facing camera yeah. distorts your face? Yeah. A little bit, if you ha- clock it at the wrong angle. Right. And it's like, okay, like, it's also that, and it's like, I know that my face isn't shaped like a cucumber and a horse. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, anyways, marry a photographer. Gotta lace that one up real quick. Marry anybody, because... I'm getting to the age now where parents are like, so are you literally seeing anybody like ever? Are you ever going to like what's happening here? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I don't want children. I think marriage is just legally unsound. <laughs> and like, Unless they're like offering me like, unless there's like, like citizenship or yeah. health insurance or like some sort of assets coming yeah. to me. I just, I feel like it's a financial risk for me personally. <laughs> I bet against marriage. It just sounds like a lot of work. Not, not even not work, being the in a relationship marriage. is work. No, yeah, that's not what I mean. Just like the act of getting, I don't want all uh, of that. I mean, if you just go to City Hall, it's pretty easy. That sounds great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like planning a wedding seems like a fucking nightmare. Although I do have my wedding plans. <laughs> 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 or somebody's, yeah. but mine. I was invited <laughs> to a wedding in a different country recently. And I was like, Cool. So you're going to pay for me to go? Literally. I'm literally not coming. You have then. got to be playing I was, yourself. I'm yeah. Like, I, I was I kind like, of just like, do you think I'm rich? I don't like, like anyone you know? that much. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about today's episode. Me too. We have been thinking about this one since the fall when we both visited the shop. The shop. Yeah. I actually remember speaking of Ex Nihilo. They introduced me to Ex Nihilo. Really? Well, I went to a their launch event. Uh-huh. I guess they were the first or one of the first shops to carry Ex Nihilo in the States. Mm -hmm. So they invited me to their launch event. It was when their boutique was on Greenwich Avenue, I think. It was like on 6th Avenue, like Greenwich Mm -hmm. or something. And it was a beautiful shop. I was like, holy shit, I had no idea this was here. It was pretty big. 
like they had like a lot of stuff yeah. like there's a lot of breakables all around right but i thought it was like the height of sophistication mm. i was like this is the fanciest store i've ever been on yeah. and yeah since then sometimes i would kind of like if i was in the neighborhood i'd like pop in just to like take a look yeah and uh it's just like a very cool old school apothecary style beauty store in new york city which is not super common anymore with like the mass commercialization of everywhere especially downtown yeah no i actually that's really well put because i agree and it does feel like an old school like boutique store mm-hmm. where you know it's not how do i say this not sounding dis- disrespectful because i don't mean to be like it's not a glossier situation it's not no. uh, uh it's a mom and pop yeah I, but a it's pop and pop it's like <laughs> <laughs> what am i trying to say it's not like minimalist it's not you know the white and pink and whatever it's like it feels uh nicely curated but everything has its place and there's no dead space there's no empty shelves it's it's really you don't like it's not a super branded boutique it's just a really beautiful lovely place that mm-hmm. you can find whatever you're looking for and also they have their own um house line of fragrances which are fucking awesome and yeah. i'm not just saying that because they're on the show i've been talking no. about them with stable for months now. there's they were so so impressive when so, we went for a for a smelling over there (laughs) like each and every one of them is so Mm -hmm. different and so unique and Mm -hmm. so good all at the same time yeah really truly i was like oh this is my favorite no this is my favorite anyways aetis devanustas it sounds like a spell like i just cursed you right (laughs) we have robert from aetis devanustas today Mm -hmm. uh, on the show joining us uh to talk about all Just, things yeah you know we wanted to know like what it was like to have a fragrance boutique uh back in the 90s we want to know yeah. about what it's like having your own boutique and then starting your own line i think that's really interesting i'm really excited we've been wanting to do this for a while yeah so let's get to it so let's do it my name is robert gerstner and i am one of the co-owners and founders of aedis divinostas which is a perfumery store now called aedis perfumery since we launched our brand aedis divinostas together with my business partner called radel uh, we started um, the store first in 1995 and the brand in 2012 and let me think 26 years later almost 27 years later we're still here and we are adding to both our brand in particular but also to the store as being now almost 30 years old oh wow yeah it sounds scary (laughs) very scary (laughs) but it's a lot of fun and always has been it sounds like a lot of fun i can't imagine what well i imagine that new york city in the 90s was really fun and like gritty and mm, real yeah. it's like the stuff we romanticize today <laughs> can you tell us a bit what the fragrance landscape was like in new york city at that time wait pause 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 we always well we tried to start off with a question can you tell us what do you smell like today oh yes <laughs> um, you know what it's uh i don't wear fragrances throughout the day to be honest um the only thing i put on in the morning is molecule one Ah, because it almost accentuates whatever, you know, body cream you have on or shower gel or whatnot else. And I don't want to leave the house naked, so to speak, (laughs) but we constantly work with fragrances, smelling them, working on them, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. I really want to have 
nothing on me prior to coming here. So if something needs to be smelled or scented, I have enough room on my skin to do that. So that's oh. usually pretty much my, my regimen. That makes if sense. If I had to wear a fragrance, then I usually wear the Copal from our brand. The Copal oh, nice. That's the one that I like, right, Sable? Yeah. So, yeah. One. We are uh, huge fans. Well, Sable is a huge fan of Molecule 01. So we're happy to hear that uh, <laughs> um, you like it as well. That's I never thought about owning a, a fragrance boutique. You might not want to wear something because that's what you do all day, right? Um, yeah. And you know what they did with the Molecular One when they approached us, I think it was in 2006. It was the weirdest thing for me because, you know, we looked into the concept and all of this stuff and I said, well, how are we supposed to sell a fragrance which doesn't smell if it's the purpose of a perfume? But then, you know, as you dig in and as you read and all about that, it makes all sense. And I have to say, we were the first retailer in the US to carry the fragrance. Wow. That brand, so to speak, uh, which was back then really an inside fashion crowd thing mm. because the people who originally who were behind it was Tim Banks, the fashion editor in, in London. And so that became a staple between Naomi and Pat McGrath and John Galliano and all of these people. Uh, and then we decided to bring the brand on and, um, it is to this day, we're talking about 15 years now, uh, one of the best selling products, uh, fragrances we we sell the molecular one in particular wow oh wow i can believe that sure i guess i can it has such a mysterious allure to it yeah well and you know what at the end of the day it really works because i get constantly asked the second i leave the house being elevated (laughs) in the car it's like oh my god you smell so good what is that and i'm like it's nothing uh, and then it's nothing. It, it really is nothing, uh, but it, it proves to me on a daily basis that it actually works and people, you know, really, you know, pick it up. So it's, it's a very interesting concept. That's so crazy that like one of your best selling products in a, in a fragrance boutique is a fragrance that smells like nothing. Exactly. Right. It's very like Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we'll take it away. Okay, sorry. Before I bulldoze through <laughs> our initial question, our format. Can we go back to setting the scene? New York City in the nineties. You're just <laughs> deciding to launch a fragrance boutique. What was it like? That was sheer coincidence. That was never on our radar. But uh, Colin and I had come to the US in '92 for a German company, and things didn't pan out. And that was not even two years into us and we moved here and we were like, we're not just want to move back again. Mm. And so Carl did some research and, you know, we always continued using all the brands we used to can uh, we used to, to use in, in Europe. Like back then it was deep tea candles and largest of fragrances, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And he did some research. I had a sidekick, I had another job. And then, you know, at one point, and we always loved fragrances and skin and body care. And at one point he said to me, you know what I realized? None of these brands we really love uh, are available in the United States. And if they are, they're scattered all over the place, but not really under one roof. And so that's kind of like how the idea was born to uh, open up a perfume store, which is focused on artisanal European hard to find brands. And at that point, I trusted him, Carl always had and still has this, this gut feeling about products or brands and what works and what doesn't work. And I said, sure, if you want to try this, let's try this. And very naive and extremely young, we just one day opened up 
a basement store on Christopher Street. We call it Aedes Divinostas, which means Temple of Beauty in Latin. Mm. Ooh. And opened the doors without any announcements and started the store. And I remember the very first sale was back then in 95, $220, which mm. I don't know how much it equals to today's money. But that was our very first sale and that those were check and speak products. And we were like, wow, <laughs> interesting. People know that. And then, you know, it took on a life of its own. You know, the, the fun part of doing something like this to start something in New York in particular is that people are very open-minded for that. Mm. Imagine opening up an independent niche fragrance store in Paris. They would slaughter you. <laughs> That's not part of their DNA in society. But New York people are very open-minded and, you know, word of mouth and things started to, you know, happen and we were at least at a point where me having another job supporting us personally at the store kind of like sustained itself and then about a year and a half into that call said you know we need to promote this somehow and he said you know we should offer a gift wrap but not just a plain gift wrap but add fresh flowers on top of it because the flowers really represent the very ingredients of what's inside the gift, a fragrance or a mm. can. And again, he's the creative one. I'm not. I said, well, you go ahead. And, you know, he went up to Vogue and said to front desk, said, can I talk to the beauty director? And, <laughs> you know, that's in 96. And they called up. Amy Astley was the beauty director at Vogue back then. And she was like, yeah, sure. Send him up. Wouldn't happen today anymore. Wow. He, I know. Yeah. And he, he went upstairs and, you know, he was this shy young boy and Amy kind of like was smitten with him right away. And she showed him the offices and she said, well, tell me your story. And he explained it a little bit to her. She was like, oh, that's cool. It looks beautiful. And then I'll swing by the next, you know, couple of weeks whenever I'm downtown and, you know, I'll check it out. Uh, lo and behold, the next day, one of those woke, you know, limousines pulled up and <laughs> Amy Astley walked downstairs literally the day after and she looked around and she saw the decor, which you've seen also, you know, the very hot right. flowers and mm -hmm. Baroque and that, that very European Parisian feeling of the boutique. And she looked around and said, wow, these are old brands you cannot find in the city. And if you can here and there, definitely not under one roof. And she said, you know what? I think I have a little tiny piece left in my uh, November issue. I'm going to write about you. Hmm. And so she did. And amongst other things, she mentioned back then eye drops we used to carry from a brand called Dear Harris in London, which was the end thing for the fashion crowd. No one we can't read that. And that prompted her to come to the store to get the eye drops, <laughs> which you couldn't get anywhere else in the city. And so I remember she walked out, it was a basement store. So we had really low ceilings and she's as tall as me. <laughs> and I was very worried. At first I saw the you know, long black legs and then I saw everything and they almost fainted and I said to call, I can't handle this. You <laughs> and she looked around, she said, well, you have my eye drops. And then she was like, oh, by the way, are you doing? corporate gifting and we looked at each other and we were like, um, sure. I had no idea what she was talking about. And she was like, well, then get a piece of paper and a pen and I'll give you my order right now. Also had having seen the floral gift wrap in Vogue. Yeah. And that's how the whole thing really started. Uh, we did her account that year and that obviously was at the height of her career. 
went to all the people who were, which were relevant in the industry from fashion designers to houses, to agencies, to PR companies, you name it. And when she was finished with that list, we looked at it, Colin and I, we couldn't believe our eyes. Every name was listed on there with her gifts. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> and that was, that was just mind blowing. And so we did all of that. And, um, you know, right after, after the Christmas season, January, when everyone came back, we got swarmed with requests from all these photographers and, and, and brands and PR companies and was like, well, we want to have an account as well. And so that's how we got into all of the celebrity kind of environment heavily in the fashion industry. And that just blew up the business for us. That really put us on the map. Wow. Wow. That's uh, such like a New York City fairy tale. Completely. <laughs> it, it, it really is. I mean, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. And next thing you know, you catapulted on top of, you know, all of these people. And I have to say, most of these clients are still very loyal clients. We still do their corporate accounts almost you know, 26 years, 25 years later. So that's, that's how it all started. And then we kind of like made a name for ourselves that we carry very hard to find artisanal European, mostly European brands and very curated. Right. And now in hindsight, when I look at all of this niche perfumery, and I always hated the word, I have to admit it, but that really never existed. And if someone put it on the map, unknowingly, it was us back then. Sure. It sounds like it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like niche doesn't really mean anything other than... I guess no, not, not no, designer, it, not commercial. Mm, I don't know. It's non-commercial and it's yeah. really artisanal brands um, right. or craftsmanship, not commercial in the sense that it's just, you know, licensed by a big, you know, brand right. uh, being a moneymaker and mass distributed, but really looking back to the roots and the core of perfumery in itself. And then of course, in the early 2000s, a lot of people realized that this could be really a market. And, you know, you started seeing then brands emerge, Frederick Mann and Diptyque and Byredo and Kilian and, you know, right. just to name a few, a few, which now also after a certain time period are all sold to the big guys mm -hmm. and right. became extremely commercial again. So yes. you cannot really put them under the category again. But I guess <laughs> cycling in general, I've seen this in other commodities. There's always young, innovative people who come up with a great idea or give great product and then they grow and the big people obviously will always want to have a piece of the cake and they can't get there because of their structure. And so they, they buy up those little mm -hmm. innovative brands and build them big. And then, you know, again, there will be more innovative people with new ideas and brands coming up. So it's a cycle, so to speak, I think. Sure. That's totally true. I feel like you know, you always want to celebrate the success of the small brands, especially when you feel like you grew with them, but then they get bought by like Estee Lauder and <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, well, it's never going to be the same. <laughs> Correct. It won't for many reasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to a certain degree, I understand why this happens. And, you know, we've, we've known people like Ilion and, and, and Ben and, and Frederick very, very well. You know, eventually you get to a level where you just can't handle it anymore as a small company, if it is very successful, so you mm -hmm. need to have in infrastructure. And then these big companies provide the in infrastructure, but with that commitment, you lose your independence, so to speak. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you get 
put into a corporate scenario. And unfortunately, usually that takes away from the magic of. Right. Of <laughs> hmm. So before. Aedas was a thing. And if I was living in New York City, where would I go to buy fragrance? Was it just, you know, the big name department stores and maybe a brick and mortar of a brand? And, and was that my only option back then if it wasn't for you guys? None of these European brands, very few exceptions, really had their own stores. I I, I know Lardisol had a tiny, tiny little store in, in the mid-90s. You had uh, the department stores, obviously. Barney's was always a trendsetter mm-hmm. for everything, for that matter. Uh, so they had a, a few of these brands, but it was scattered all over the city. You never had, you know, all of this under one roof. So you mm-hmm. really would need to, you know, go and venture out. I don't know if you remember Takashimaya on Fifth Avenue. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember. Uh, the Japanese <laughs> store. Yeah. They had a very interesting selection. Unfortunately, they're gone. They also supported back in the days, smaller independent brands. Mm-hmm. But it was always a little here, a little there. But it, it, it was an overall, it was available overall that you had a larger selection of, of that. There was not much hmm. from what I remember. It's a long time ago. Wow. That's so funny. I didn't even think about corporate accounts for a fragrance boutique like it didn't even occur to me that that was like a business <laughs> well you know it's gifting and you know with that it's basically candles because that's the safest uh, gift on the planet pretty much and you know we had the selection back then of diptyque i mean we were mm-hmm. one of the largest accounts of diptyque in the united states back in the days and so it's easy, you know, I give this person one or two or three candles and then, you know, we wrap it up in the gift box with the fresh floral gift wrap. Um, that was an easy gift. And, um, you know, to this day, we just had another season behind us. You know, you get a list from the people. It's like, you know, these are my recipients. Some clients are very particular. I want them to get XYZ. Other people say, this person gets 300, this person gets 400. You choose, you pick. Mm-hmm. certain certain uh, accounts we know what they personally like so we have a range of products where we can you know choose from but ultimately it's home products and and candles and that's by far the Lord, the biggest commodity we sell when sable and i well when i specifically i think sable was more up on this than i was but when i visited back in the fall i was really struck by sort of like you said, your curated uh, selection of such niche and hard to find brands all in one place. And I mean, I was looking around, I was like, wait, I know and love all of these, but they're so hard to find in store anywhere. And now they're all in one place. So I guess our question is, what is your vetting process like when you're looking at a new brand and deciding whether or not you want to carry them? Like, how do you decide if they're worthy to bring into your shop? Luckily, I have called um, again. He has this amazing gift. He looks at a brand or smells a fragrance and within seconds, he knows this will work and this will not work from a visual point of view, from a quality point of view, like, you know, how the fragrances uh, smell mm-hmm. and also what the packaging is like. So I never had to really deal with it because I trusted him totally. Um, but as a, as a, as a main, main rule, we always said as a brand, you have to have a legitimacy and, or a history 
in order to be interesting for us. As an example, when I, you know, spent time with Frederick Moll, you know, he was really the first one focusing on the perfumers individually and putting out their names, which you never had before, which I think is a very important part of it. And so there's one fragrance called Au Passant, which was made by Olivia Giacometti. And I remember we had lunch with her and I said to her, Olivia, what was your inspiration for the fragrance? And she was like, Robert, close your eyes, imagine you're in Paris, first days of spring, and you walk along the Seine River. That's the smell I created, fresh lin linden flowers, et cetera, et cetera. And that is a legitimacy slash I mm. can connect with that. And that is something I can then also tell the client. Right. A real story, a real inspiration, or we have another brand, Luba, for example, you know, that, that starts pre-French Revolution where the apprentice Luba was working with the perfumer Jolie Fauchol, who was Marie Antoinette's perfumer, that has a history. And so that's what we mean by a legitimacy or a history. If I read a press release about a fragrance that someone walked on a, on, on a Japanese river and a, and, a, and a petal fell on his head and boom, that was the creation or the reason for fragrance, that to me is BS. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. L'artisan parfumeur, it says it all there. And if you translate it, it's the art of perfume making. Yes. We have another brand called Maitre Parfumeur Gautier. It means the, the art of perfume and cloth making because originally essential oils were used on leather products, gloves in particular for the, the, the royals. Because if you get gloves fresh out of the tannery, you faint because they stink. <laughs> so Marie Antoinette obviously wouldn't put those on. So eventually they realized, oh, we put essential oils in there. So the gloves smell amazing and they love that. So the name of the brand itself gives you a tremendous amount of history of 400 years. That's where it comes from. So this is one of the things we, re we really look for. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of brands lately where you can tell an investor puts money and they come up with a story, they put this out, they roll this out, they go international with the end goal to sell the brand in five years to another investor, a hedge fund or an Estee Lauder. Right. Mm. Um, that is not a brand we would take on because, you know, we can read between the lines. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it makes sense to you, but that's really one key thing for us to look and say, okay, is this interesting enough? Can we identify with this, with the owners? That's also where all these friendships came from. You know, Kilian, he was still in the, in the making of his brand. It didn't really exist. And, you know, we met here in New York, he approached us and said, I want you to smell this and, you know, I want to get your opinion and what do you think? And so through the friendship and, you know, he has a certain history as well with his family. Right. Yeah. Then there you connect, or I really adore Frederic Mal because it was always fascinating being with him and sitting with him and listening to him. And then that's a legitimacy and again, and or history. And I can relate that to the client when I talk about a particular fragrance. So that's really a key aspect for us to decide if you take on a brand or not. So you have to like believe it, right? Yourself. It's like art. Yeah. Um, Connect, really, really connect with it. I mean, I can't like every fragrance there is. Uh -huh. uh, there's always something you like and something you don't like. But 
you know, I always see it now from a point of view, it's like, if I have a customer in front of me and the customer asks me, why do you like this? Or why do you have this brand? I need to answer the question. And mm. if I don't want to bullshit the client, which I don't want to, then I tell them, this is the reason why I love this fragrance. I love this story. I love the history. I love X, Y, Z. So it's, it's, it, fragrance is a storytelling fantasy and a dream. And, you know, that story needs to be real and not fake. I like that. A dream. Yeah. That's so nice. It's a fantasy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. You know, that's this one thing. You have to keep this in mind. We only have five senses in, to go through life. Mm. And oh, yeah. it's, it's very simple. Five. And smelling and seeing are the ones which take a couple of seconds. When you see someone or smell someone for the matter, and you don't know that you smell someone, but you do. You make up your mind, I like this person or I don't like this person. Right. So yeah, within yeah. 20 seconds, let's say, two out of the five senses we have already made up their mind. So I personally would say it's very important that A, you look good and you smell good. But there's also, you know, we're German, so we have the saying in German and the French have it as well. If you can't stand someone, you would literally say, I can't smell that person. I dislike that person. Mm. So... That's such a short amount of time. And then also, you know, sometimes you smell something. It's like, oh my God, this reminds me of X, Y, C. So it's a memory as well. Yeah, it, it, it's a fantasy. And, you know, I sometimes get a little frustrated when bloggers or fragrance groups, you know, we used to do this in the past. We stopped a long time ago, come in for hours and smell everything, which is humanly impossible to begin right. with. And then discussing beat fragrances to death doesn't matter. Number one, a lot of the ingredients they talk about do not exist. A lily of the valley, you cannot derive from the plant. So it's always a combination of other accords or raw materials, which the perfumer thinks equals the smell of a lily of the valley. So I hear people talking about, oh, the lily of the valley is beautiful. And well, <laughs> what smell the say? No, you never did. Lies. It's impossible. <laughs> and again, they're taking to a certain degree the fun out of it. Or if I mention to someone, oh, it has X, Y, Z, it has a little bit of patchouli. Oh, I don't like patchouli, so I don't like this fragrance. No, I don't like patchouli either, but sometimes you have patchouli. We have patchouli in our fragrances, but it's such a small amount. Right. Percentage just to balance other raw materials. So in general, I don't really like to talk about too much about the ingredients, but again, we go back to the inspiration, the history, the legitimacy mm. as a connection. And again, it's a fantasy, so don't kill it. Ooh. Totally. No, absolutely. And yes. I always feel like when a lot of people, they're so intimidated to go fragrance dropping because they're like, I don't know how to talk about fragrance. Like, I don't know how to describe the notes or whatever. So do you find that a lot of people who walk into your shop are super intimidated? How do you get past that hurdle with a lot of people? I keep hearing this a lot. Oh my God, it's intimidating walking into your store. No, it's not. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm also the kind of person that's like, you know, Nobody wants. It's like, and you know what? If you don't, that's fine. Be honest with me. Come in and say, you know what? I want a fragrance. I have no idea what I'm looking for. That's honest. And then, like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I think people I don't want to admit that. Yeah. 
But they should, and yeah. I have no problem with that. But if you come in and say, okay, I like gourmand and I want a little bit of uh, rusty dusty and I want a little bit of sea salt and all that, I'm like, uh, really, we have this conversation going to? It's, <laughs> be honest and tell me this. I know, I don't know. It's totally fine. I also look at a person, the way they dress, their age, their style, what kind of, what I think might fit them or not as a, as a guidance as well. And then if you have a client who's really interested in purchasing something at the end of the day, because we have a lot of people who are not, but then the client is open and then they could turn into really fun and it should be a fun conversation until we hopefully find something which fits the client. I'm, I'm open. I prefer for someone to come in and be very honest, whatever it is, I like tuberose only. Okay. Then I know right away, or I have no idea what I like. Then, you know, I'll show three, four different kind of categories to get a feeling what he or she might like, and then you'll take it from there, but don't come with a big list of things. It's like, I like this, uh, this X, Y, C, or I used to wear this. Hey, we do have something similar. I don't know all these fragrances. Someone <laughs> liked me a couple of years ago. Well, I wore Call Me Klein XYC and I want to have something similar. I'm like, I don't know Call Me Klein XYC, but you work in a fragrance. So I'm like, well, it's a different kind of fragrance. <laughs> now, not every Coke knows every recipe on the planet either. Right. Um, True point. So it's, it's always a challenge, but uh, that's usually the, the approach we do. That's, mm. that's, really, that's really smart. Do you find that people often end up walking out with a fragrance that initially they said that they didn't like what was in it. Like they'll say, oh, I hate vanilla. Like I hate sweet things. Right. And they walk out with like a vanilla fragrance. It's a possibility. Yeah. But then again, it goes back to what I just said. It's like, you know, just because it has vanilla doesn't mean you might not like it. Exactly. Uh, and if you tell me I don't like vanilla, and the last thing I do is start with vanilla fragrances. But there's certain things which uh, which are not that vanilla-ish. Vanilla to me in particular, I call it a cakey fragrance. Mm. I was like a cake. I don't like that either. But we do have a vanilla fragrance in our collection, which is uh, not cakey. The Sierge That's my favorite. I love that one so and much. Thank you. And, and and very, very different. It's funny. It's yesterday very different. We were sitting, uh, we were at Mon, the fragrance house. We were sitting with Rolf Schwieger. The perfume of working mm. on a project and one of the evaluators there they prepared a couple of things and one of them was called i I've, oh no it's a sandalwood story and it was called sandal i forgot anyway it smelled like a cake <laughs> and i smelled the first thing i said no thank you and she was like i think that's interesting i'm like that's your opinion but not mine <laughs> <laughs> but again you know during a conversation a serious conversation, you know, you, you get the feeling of a person. So yes, to answer, people might leave with a fragrance. They, I had a, I had a girl here two days ago and she's, we started with something and, uh, she ended up loving Copal. Mm. I don't know if you recall one of our fragrances. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, loving that. And she initially hadn't mentioned I like something really intensely and spicy. So sometimes a lot of people also don't know how to explain something. Mm. And yeah. then, you know, that's, that's the part of what I personally like is like, okay, if you're not sure, I'll show you four or five different directions, green, floral, spicy, sweet, whatever you right. want to call it. And then, you know, people react obviously. And I was like, okay, here we go. You're not floral, <laughs> you're spicy. You just, 
you know, had a different name for it. So right. don't be intimidated. We're a store to sell. We need to live off, you know, people making purchases. Yeah. <laughs> but be honest and, and, and talk to me, but don't BS me because then I go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that that leads us like sort of right into another question that we had is how do you talk to the sort of normal everyday person about fragrances? Because being in beauty and being fragrance writers and, and interacting with the industry in the way that we do, a lot of fragrance, uh, you know, vernacular is not layman's terms and it makes no sense even to us who do this day in and day out. So how do you sort of talk to your customer off the street in a way that makes sense to them? And also, how do you interpret what they're saying that they do or do not like into something that they're going to love? By having a conversation with these people, and, and if I realize this is a client who's really interested, I might go also into, you know, particular, you know, stories or scenarios or telling them, hey, the reason why we did XYZ fragrances because of that and that connection, giving them also a little bit of a background. Iris, uh, Iris Nasserina fragrance, the Iris one is a great example mm-hmm. because the process of it is so long and so expensive. And some, sometimes you just throw in a little bit of what I've seen when they process that in a lab in the South of France, which is fascinating for people because you know, the regular consumer does not know that or does not see that. So if it's a serious conversation, then these stories come up and then, you know, I'll go or just talk about a minute or two and I see how, how interesting it is for other people. Or also what I just said is like, you know, if someone is not really sure, you'll, you'll, you know, looking at a person gives you so much information on the get-go and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I, I, I see a person and I get a, get a pretty good feeling now what would work for them or what would not work for them. So it's a combination of all of these things together, how we approach dealing with the client. Right. Do you think a lot of people who come into the shop come in with a certain intention? Like, are they searching for a signature scent or for a gift? Or do you think a lot or do a lot of people just kind of wander in and they're like, oh, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) You have all of the above. Again, I expect you to come in and tell me I'm looking for a gift versus I look for signature fragrance because I don't have a crystal ball. I can't read that. (laughs) That was a very interesting thing for me because, you know, we kept functioning during the pandemic. I was here every single day, even Mm -hmm. during the lockdown, and we were extremely busy. And, you know, during those first days, I realized, wait a minute, what's, what's different here? And then I realized there is no store traffic, so we don't get interrupted we work way more efficiently and then you know ultimately came down to you lose a lot of time with people coming in not willing to spend money but browsing Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it is and i understand that to a certain degree but number one it's not possible for a regular human being to smell more than eight to ten fragrances after that you notice shut down you can't Mm. So we have people who will touch every single bottle and smell hundreds of fragrances within hours and hours and hours. And that makes no sense to me. You're not looking for fragrance. You don't even want to talk to me. You do research, you do, I don't know what it is. Um, since the pandemic, since we reopened and you've seen the setup in the store, we have the counter service, mm-hmm. which yes. a lot of people do not like. And it's like, well, I want to browse. I'm like, well, I'm here for you. I have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people, a lot of people walk away because they don't want to have a conversation because they don't really want to buy. 
On the other hand, we realized that the client who's really interested loves that new kind of experience because you have a one-on-one conversation for 20, 30 minutes, a real conversation with one person to find out what he, she wants. And I had people coming back the day or two after and they were like, number one, I love the fragrance I got. Thank you very much for your help. But this one lady said to me, I thought of, of that day in the evening and it was like, it was almost like you were reading me, <laughs> uh, looking at her and, you know, what I think. And she was like, that was such a great time I spent in the store and I had a lot of fun. I got a lot of information and I walked out with a fragrance I really, really love. And that's a decline I want, number one. And that's also then for me satisfying. I'm like, okay, I made someone happy. I found right. her the fragrance they really love and they will come back. And uh, that that is really the reason why we're here. Uh, but I very much dislike it. And it's never going to happen again to watch someone for hours touching the whole store and walking <laughs> out. They thank you. Does the coffee bean thing work? Oh, yeah. No, that's a myth. Really? Really? Yeah. Huh. You're just smelling another scent. True. Oh, right. True. Right. It's I wonder that, where um, that came from. I have no idea. That's probably a, a big marketing BS, yeah. like, you know, fragrance for him or her. Yeah. Who sets mm. rules for fragrances, masculine or feminine? No one does. Right. Um, that's marketing. And that might have come out of there. And again, we did it yesterday. We smelled a bunch of submissions we got from, from, from Ralph. And what everyone does in the industry, you smell fabric. Mm-hmm. That neutralizes your scent. So you just smell your sweater, uh, oh. your cardigan, or your whatnot else. But that's what we do to clear your palate. But the coffee is a myth. And we don't have a single coffee bean in here, except the one in my coffee on my desk. <laughs> that's, I, wow, okay. Wow, that blew my mind. Because yeah, it got to the point where I was I was seeing little jars of coffee in Sephora yeah. by the fragrance oh. section. Yeah, yeah. well. <laughs> Shows what they know. Lies. <laughs> the four is the devil anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 BS. <laughs> do you guys ever have any, I guess pre-pandemic, do you guys have regulars, like fragrance boutique regulars? A lot. Oh, really? interesting. But like, yeah. I feel like being, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but being a fragrance boutique, uh, you know, there is going to be less replenishment than there would be for a, a, any other product that you use up faster and is most likely less expensive. So what is what makes a regular? Yeah. Some people collect. Some people really love fragrance. Top of my head, we have this wonderful lady. She's uh, in the South in Georgia. And, you know, she's older. And I keep telling her, like, you know, looking at your purchasing history, you cannot possibly wear this for the rest of your life. <laughs> but uh, I don't you know. It's a, maybe we have a great relationship. Um, but she loves having different fragrances or, or candles for the matter. She must have hundreds and hundreds of candles around the house. Um, so people want to switch it up. There's, there's various reasons. It's like us if we had money. That's true. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah but we have PR contacts. Yeah. That's even better. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, you, you have all walks of life, but we have, we have a lot of regulars. And you know, again, 26 years is a long time to build up a very loyal clientele. Mm, right. And, you know, we, one of, and that's one of the things from day one. One of us is always in the store. So, mm. 
you know, throughout the years, people come in and it's either Robert or Carl are here. We know them, we know what they like, et cetera. So yeah, we, we have a lot of regular clients. Yes. Hmm. I want to ask you about your bespoke house line of fragrances. I don't know why I said bespoke. I don't know what that means. I want to ask you about Aedas because yeah. both Sable and I have visited the store and smelled the entire collection. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your skirt when I said, like, I was really surprised pleasantly surprised by how much I liked each and every one of them. They were all so different. No, they're so complex and sophisticated and like just so experiential. Yeah. And the whole collection itself was really just balanced yeah. in a really lovely way. So I just want to, we both want to know more about that. When you started the store, was having a collection of your own always the plan? Did you always have that in the back of your mind? Can you tell us how that came to be? Yes and no. It was interesting. It was in the late 90s, so only four years after we opened the store, that one woman in the industry, which I don't want to mention the name now, but uh, she's very well known in the industry, and she looked at us and said, you guys, what happened with you just these four years, you should, you should study your own brand. Hmm. So wow. she kind of like put it in the back of our heads. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was really interesting, but at the point we had no idea how this works. You need also money for that. And so, but it, it was there in our heads. And then for our 10th anniversary in 2005, being candles, the commodity we sell, or, yeah, we sell the most. Uh, we were extremely good friends with the original owners of Diptyque. And I remember I had, uh, one time I had dinner with them at the Ritz in Paris and I said to them, I'm like, look guys, we have our 10th anniversary coming up. We really want a candle and we would love to do a collaboration with the Tick. And they were like, well, we don't really do this. I'm like, yeah, you did with Tom Galliano. <laughs> Called him no, out. Which is true. <laughs> and then, then they looked at me and it was like, okay, we'll make an exception. We'll do that for you. And that was really the first time that we think we're thinking to create a, a fragrance for ourselves. Unfortunately, right after the conversation, Diptyque was bought by a hedge fund and those people immediately pulled the plug. Oy. But it was still our anniversary. And so at the time, uh, we also had very close contacts with the people in Paris of Flardisol. And we mentioned that during a conversation and they immediately jumped on and said, we'll do that for you. And so that's how it started us creating a fragrance. And back then they said to us, look, there's an upcoming independent perfumer. He might be a really good choice for your project, which was a candle project. His name is Bertrand Louchefour. And uh, we met him and created a, was supposed to be a limited edition 10th anniversary candle for the store. And that's the first time where we really went through the process of how this all works, how to create a fragrance, how to put it together, and then, you know, down the road to production and so on and so forth. And then a couple of years later, we've been approached by another French company and they said, you know what, guys, I, this is the time for you to create your own in-house brand. And uh, we, we signed a licensing deal with them. And so that's the beginning of the brand. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned it. Unfortunately, we had some legal issues with these people a couple of years ago. Which is the reason why we repackaged everything. Mm. But so uh -huh. the, the, the origins really start with the 10th anniversary creating a candle. And 
that we saw initially the, 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 the success when we started the brand with the old people. Mm. And interesting now, since we launched in November, where you were here, the relaunch is extremely successful. It's beyond of what we expected. And we only have touched three or four point of sales in the world. And there is a lot of fun lots. Wow. Wow. I mean, they look so good. They're gorgeous. But yeah. one thing is for us, it was very important um, that, you know, in a lot of brands, you usually smell always something similar in each of the fragrances. Mm. Where you can at one point say, oh, this is an XYZ fragrance or yeah. that fragrance is out of that brand. Yeah. And we wanted to avoid that because each fragrance really should be a a creation by its own and have its own personality. And that's why each of our fragrances smells completely different from mm. all the other ones. And that is always something we will stick to. Uh, we will never create fragrances because it's a trend or, mm. you know, there's a demand for it. Or it, it, it. It has to be right, but each fragrance has to have a really personality on its own and not that you pick it up and say, oh, that's an Adidas fragrance. We, we don't want that. So that's very important for us. Hmm. I love that. Do I you, can sense that with them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So doing what you do and having a fragrance boutique, do you feel like running a fragrance store gives you a leg up on the market and w what is missing, any white spaces and what performs really well? Like, you know, that there's an oversaturation of, you know, this type of fragrance, but there's nothing that serves this type of audience. Is your store your own sort of like little market research, do you find? And does that play into what you bring to market yourself? It's funny that you asked it because when we started originally with the brand, a lot of people said, why is the fragrance not creating a, a, a brand? This yeah. makes no sense. And why are they doing this? And right. a lot of people declined to carry the brand. Uh, I mean, we got some stupid answers from overseas. It's like, well, but they're competition. Why would I carry them? It's like number one in Europe, in the US. So we don't really yeah. competition as a starter. Uh, but it was very hard for people to, to understand that. Uh, and yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have all have or see all the things this is not available this hasn't been done this is missing or there's way too much of wood for example you would never ever do an wood fragrance like there's only been four thousand in the last three weeks right <laughs> so um yeah we and and yeah i kept saying this when we started like because we know by talking to the client what they're looking for and realize oh this is not available. This hasn't been done. And so it's definitely an inspiration. Yes, you're absolutely right. Oh, I mean, I, I can see it. Like having a fragrance store and doing yeah. your own thing. I, I feel like that's like all you need to know. Totally. Yeah. And you know, now also if other brands approach us and you look at their collection, it's like, oh, there's a, there's a citrus and there's a rose and there's a sandalwood and there's a two bros and one else. Like, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> Unless it's like, you know, extraordinary XYC, right. usually there isn't. So it's basically all here. You, know? you just have to look around. Sure. Is nomenclature considered a bit of um, like sort of a house line? Because I know, isn't Carl behind that one? Yeah. So nomenclature is, yeah, we consider it an in-house line. 
even though technically it's owned by Carl and his partner, Carlos. Mm. Ah. So obviously the three of us, we're extremely good friends and, um, you know, we're all involved in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an in-house brand, so to speak. Uh, it's just that brand is owned by Carl and Carlos versus Aedis is owned by Carl and I. Ah, got okay. it, got it. Oh, that's cool though. That is cool. You yeah, can yeah, make, yeah, like uh, more sub brands, right? <laughs> well, Carlos is. Uh, they, yeah, <laughs> we'll re- reach out. There's a, there's a launch, a sub brand of nomenclature in March. Ooh. Oh, really interesting. And you know, we we they have nomenclature as a studio out in in Brooklyn, and uh, that's where also the filling is. And so when mm-hmm. the interesting all came up, long story short, we decided to uh, basically run our own production facility. Because you don't only have full control over, over everything, but it's it's literally a handmade product and it's made with love. And so uh, the three of us are all in, involved in that. And nomenclature, I have to say, I love the the idea Carl and Carlos had mm. to go a hundred percent synthetic. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yes. It is because everyone usually would like throw their hands up in the air and say, oh my God, synthetic is right. No, it's not. And uh, every fragrance, even all the brands we have, there's not a single fragrance which does not have a synthetic ingredient in there. Of there's course. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's just a balance between, you know, natural or synthetic. But going full blown into synthetic and then, you know, take it even a level further and not just by particular molecules. And it's funny, we had this conversation last Sunday. We all did a big lunch with friends and Carlos and I we were talking about that. And I said, that, 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 for example, is something which hasn't been done before. Right. You look at eccentric molecules. Yes, he's working mm-hmm. with a particular molecule. The ISO is super. And then, you know, builds everything around it. But the nomenclature approach is completely different. And that's a, that's a new, bold idea he had. And obviously it does extremely well because the nomenclature is among say it is the best selling brand in our store. Oh, wow. Wow. It is in, in Russia. It's under the top 10 fragrances sold in Russia. Wow. Huh. Yes. And I love them. Love those fragrances. I just became acquainted with them recently through samples from you guys. And I was like, oh, wow, these are really interesting and complex and unique scents I haven't smelled before. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's Carl's brand. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I tell you, Carl is an extremely creative person. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And then, you know, also for both, I mean, luckily we have over the years developed a really great relationship with the fragrance houses and, and mm. the virtual perfumers as well. And at this point now, we really have the luxury to to approach the best people out there in the industry and even then the cross between nomenclature and aedis you know we were sitting with with mon yesterday that's aedis but then there's feminist it's aedis and and nomenclature together so you know it's this big when we initially sit together it's this big thinking and and talking about you know all of these fragrances oh is this something which would be more Poetis or for more nomenclature. So it's, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of fun sitting with these people and brainstorming about both for them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm that sure. Sounds yeah. like such a fun job. I know, honestly. <laughs> what are we doing? It, yeah. it, it is. And you know what? Yesterday, for the first time in a long time, uh, we had a meeting at the fragrance house, which wasn't possible because of the pandemic, obviously. Right. Right, and I, I said it to Carl. It's like, oh my god, I kind of I didn't forget what it was like, but you know, just 
reminded me, we only had a conversation yesterday with a perfumer. And that conversation eventually will lead to a product on the shelf. Ooh. Right. At one point. But it starts with a conversation, a vision, an idea. Ralph is a good friend of ours. So we are not a perfumer. We, we, we can tell him what ingredients to use. We can give guidelines. We can brief. But he's the one who say, who decides, oh, we say raw material X, I will use X, Y, Z. And so you bounce off these ideas and, and, and it's really a fragrance starts with, with a conversation and bouncing ideas back and back and forth. And that's really fascinating mm. until it eventually ends up in a bottle on the shelf. Wow. Wow. What's the, like, what do you, what's the average time frame from brief to shelf? <laughs> I, I can't tell you. We did anywhere from three months to three years. Woo. Wow. Wow. It depends. Both are extreme, yeah. you know? <laughs> Both are. And, and in between, it depends on the perfumer. Some of them are really strong characters who <laughs> really push their own opinion over maybe ours. Right. Uh, which is fine. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's our fragrance. Yeah. yeah. Not yours. The commissioned work. Right. Yes. Uh, right. Sometimes uh, we had in, we in the past, is like a lot of uh, perfumers who work at the big fragrance houses. Now, not so much, but a couple of years ago, the idea that they are not bound to any time or financial limits was kind of like hard for them to incorporate in their work because usually with commercial projects, they're the last person to be involved. It's the mm -hmm. marketing team, et cetera, who makes all the decisions first. And then the perfume was told to get his fragrances for girls, I don't know, 21 to 28, uh, needs to be right. ready three months and can be not more than $75 retail go. Mm -hmm. Well, they put the perfume in a box. Yeah. Right. right. In our case, it's like, I don't care how long it takes for you to create it. <laughs> yeah. And we don't care how much the ultimate oil is per kilo. Uh, Iris the Serena is uh, at 500 kilos, uh, $500 per kilo. Wow. Which is extreme, extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. And commercial fragrances, they probably paid $30 a kilo. Um, so... For some perfumers at the beginning, it was really hard to open up their mind. It's like, well, wait, I, I, I can be a kid in a candy store. Right. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Paralyzed uh, by choice. Yeah. Yes. And so sometimes it took a while for them to understand it. And we were like, it doesn't matter, you know, how much it costs, just do. And so. Yeah. Take one. <laughs> it varies. Or then, you know, Bertrand de Chauffoy did a lot of our fragrances. We just have such a great rapport with him and he knows us so well. Mm. Yeah. He's very quick with coming back with ideas. It's like, I think that's what you meant. And so, yeah, I mean, again, we did it from anywhere between three months to three years. Wow. And in between. Fascinating. Wow. Did I shot the campaign for? Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Well, you'll have to cut that out because I was recording. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I caught me slipping. Anyway. <laughs> Did he say he had a psychic in the beginning? Did I? The way that our eyes locked when he I know. <laughs> I was like, did he say he had a psychic or was a psychic? Was it? I know. I was like, has or was? Has and or it's was? Like, if, I, if we circle back to that, that's going to be the entire episode. Let's not yeah. do that. No. That's going to be a follow up. Yeah.
Is that like a weird question to ask somebody? Like, oh, no. so like, it's like, like, who's your therapist? Like, who's your psychic? Right. I don't think so. No. I mean, I guess that's how they get business. Word of mouth, right? True. Yeah, true. Not I the want a pages. psychic. Right. Uh, maybe I don't. <laughs> I don't know. The less I know, the better. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, actually? <clears throat> Does knowing things help me? No. <laughs> I'm so, so I'm so happy that we finally had Robert join us because yeah. um, when when we visited, he was just so like lovely to talk to and of yeah. course knowledgeable about like it's I mean it's his store he knows everything Duh. but I was like fuck we got to get you on hell yeah but you never know how that's gonna go you know what I mean like I people are busy and yeah. I don't know that's so cool now I'm just like oh I was that shithead who'd walk around touching all the fucking burgers oh completely <laughs> but well, I would talk to people yeah like I like talking to people in shops okay wait I have a question what when we were there. Like the counter service was sort of like null and void, right? Because I stomped oh, really? right to the back of the store. Yeah, you I was like, let me have a look. Supposed to do that. Oops. <laughs> You're like, let me, me bypass this counter that's very much so in the way. Right. <laughs> I was like, why is this thing <laughs> in my slide way? under here? If you live in or are visiting New York, wear a mask yeah. and go visit Aida Stevenustas. It it's will at be sixteen A Orchard in the Lower East Side, and I know that because that's the name of one of their fragrances. It will be so worth your while. And truly, truly, like when I was there, I was like. Oh, everyone I know is here. And by that I mean in Adamant Objects, not yeah. people. But yes. like every brand. Like Wilhelm Perfumery. Wilhelm I saw. was the one I was trying to yeah. Lardisan perfumery, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like sort of by Rito everything that we couldn't find in another store is there yeah they had some interesting looking ones like super super historical ones the one he was talking about that was like Marie Antoinette's perfumer yeah. what the fuck was her name yeah but they have like legacy brands there so uh, if you're like a frag head that's the yeah. place to be no it's absolutely like it's so worth your visit and it's honestly with the counter service it's sort of like a curated personal shopping experience that's exactly what it is you know what i mean with someone who actually knows what they're talking about exactly shit i feel like with fragrance you don't have to feel that guilt that you're not going to purchase something just because somebody is giving you all of their time and attention Mm -hmm. a that's their job and b think about it live with it for like a sample for a day and like see how you feel but i guess also buy the fragrance i don't know he sounded pretty about purchasing so maybe buy the fragrance People either purchase or they don't purchase. I don't like the people. It is hard. It it Uh, is harder to walk out of a place like that, like having not purchased. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's like on the one hand, like I want to encourage people to go, even if they don't have the cash necessarily to impulse purchase something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you want to find a special fragrance for yourself or for somebody else, and you want a really curated experience and you want to get something that like nobody else is going to have yeah. this is the spot no one else is going to be wearing it no one else is going to be wearing it it's like a special handcrafted a I, diesel I really product. love everything that they sent me and us and god damn it that Copal days or the ones that mm-hmm. smells like incense on the beach like just even like that alone like you're not going to get that from anywhere else yeah. you know what I mean like the idea or the scent or the whole thing done as well as it is it is so good yeah the cierge de lune really surprised me because when they were talking about it i was like oh that's a nice story but that's not really for me and then i smelled it and i was like holy shit this is a hundred percent for me right right it's like this magical smoky otherworldly vanilla smoky vanilla that i'm like whoa yeah am i a sorceress i think i am it's just yeah all this stuff's so good dude yeah 
it's really really good just go experience it yeah go check it out go take a day trip take a day trip run an errand leave your apartment leave wear a mask. apartment wear a mask you know do a little mental health walk <laughs> oh no we need one yeah i take one like every day and i'm like didn't do anything <laughs> and then i'm like i somehow i spent 20 dollars. i don't know how that happened. walking has actually made me feel like so much more sane lately really yeah that's good I'll, I'll feel myself like you know when you don't know you're going crazy then you like get some oh, fresh air yeah. and you're like oh wow that is true also someone was telling me about like cold immersion i'm not doing that well yeah i tried doing it like twice like a shower in the morning and then i was like this doesn't this isn't it <laughs> that sounds like a real it. drag girl yeah i didn't love it so <laughs> i don't know if i'll be doing that again but um, it's been like zero degrees out so i'm like i'll just walk around outside it's yeah the same exactly thing. please yeah. well go check out aetis yes aetis divis divinus they're actually pretty close to a cafe i really like that has really great banana bread so you should go to dudley's afterwards and get the banana if there's bread. a dessert to be had oh nearby God. sable will find it <laughs> i know them all in the back of my head while you're doing that mm-hmm. leave us a five-star review yes please and a re- wait leave us five stars and a review yes please please that'd be lovely thank you follow smell you later mp3 on instagram follow me i'm at tine and buck and i am at sable tooth tigra and until next time we will smell, smell you, you later, later.